He is a four-time Bassmaster winner, a four-time Classic qualifier, and he just happens to have the third biggest bag in Bassmaster. The, that sounded weird. The third biggest limit ever weighed in in Bassmaster history. This week, from Longview, Texas, Lee Livesey joins me on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. It is Wednesday, November 1st. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You guys know the drill. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Welcome into episode 134. It is the day after Halloween, so... um Half the world has hopped up on chocolate and uh, rockets and all sorts of stuff and you name it. I mean, candy corn. People love candy corn. What's your favorite Halloween candy? I don't know. I don't know. So the world's all hopped up on on Halloween candy, um, whatever your favorite is. I found out my, my parents would dig through my bag to make sure that ever, nothing was... You know, there's no razor blades in the candy or anything like that. You'd always hear stories like that. Turns out the only ones that, that they were concerned with were the ones that they liked. No, no, I'm sure they were digging for, for goodness. And I'm sure if your parents dug through your candies, it was for good reason. Or if you were a parent that dug through candies, it was for good reason. So enjoy the candy. Kick back, relax, because this week's show... It's always a fun one. Every single time he comes on here, we always have a great conversation. And um, he's a guy who I spend a lot of time with throughout the year. Um, a great dude and a proven winner. Hard to believe. I think this is going into his sixth season on the Bassmaster Elite Series. He's got four wins, four classic qualifications. I mean, he is a closer. I mean, you sometimes people will start and people will be like, well, they got they got to learn to close. He came equipped to close. And um, it is incredible what he has done so far. Well, I can keep talking about that. Or we could just bring him in right now from Longview, Texas, I believe. Lee Livesey. I, I know where he lives. I mean, I believe he's there. We'll, we'll find out. Lee, where are you right now? I am at my kitchen table. Nice. It looks like you're rocking a bit of a, is that a faux hawk? Would that be referred to as? I think that is a faux hawk for sure. <laughs> is that a new look for you? I mean, I'm used to seeing you with a hat on. No, I've always had the faux hawk. Uh, you know, when I when I get out the shower, I'll, I'll throw the faux hawk up until it falls down. It'll probably be down here in 15 minutes or so until <laughs> I put my hat back on. <laughs> It looks good to start, though. It looks good to start. Well, I um, I, I kind of went in between. Do I wear a hat? Do I faux hawk it? Do I sock hat? I don't know. It's 43 degrees in Texas. I could wear a beanie, I guess. But Wow. is that That's the first cold front this year for you guys, right? Yeah, the first real one. You know, just treacherous. Watch out on the roads. 43 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a big Halloween guy? No. No, not at all. No, which, you know, we have uh, Brooklyn. She's 13 now. She's going to be trick or treating tonight and dressing up and 
riding the golf cart. I'm going to drive her and, and take Lane out on the golf cart and go trick-or-treating. So I guess I am. We just don't ever get many at our house for some reason. My front porch light hadn't worked for like eight years. I think they don't show up to porches without a light on them. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, what's your favorite Halloween costume growing up? Do you remember one? Did you have one that was like, this is, I'm, I am bitching today. No, I wasn't the kid that liked to dress up like that, but I did dress up as Beetlejuice one time in probably in college. And it was legit. That was probably the most I've ever went to actually perform on Halloween. I, I didn't have any good costumes. I mean, dude, when I think of Halloween, I think of my parents would, <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money growing up and we would end up either we'd be a hobo where they would just put Vaseline <laughs> on your face and put a bunch of tea all around your face to make you look like a hobo. Um, I think we had a clown costume. And then if it wasn't, if you wanted something like that was of that time, we'd go to uh, a store and buy one of those plastic costumes, you know, like the super cheap ones. But in oh, Canada, they in Canada they don't work real well because it's colder. So like <laughs> the first step you make up somebody's stairs, it is full, full crotch rip. <laughs> um, some people are nuts for Halloween. There is a lot of people who go crazy for it. Oh yeah, my neighbor's got spider webs all across his yard. I'm looking at him right now. He's he's all about it. For those of you confused, obviously we recorded this the day before, or, or we recorded this on Halloween. So don't worry. Is Halloween is not a different day in Texas, but have you all like, is the golf cart, is that just because where you live? I mean, longer driveways or what, is that always how it goes on down there? Oh, just, uh, I think for the kids, it's, it's the more houses they can hit, the more, <laughs> more candy they can get. So it's just a time deal. Instead of having to walk around, they're going to get carted on the golf cart and then go to the rich neighborhood after that. Like she told me she had some neighborhood where, where it goes down. So she's going to wow. go with her friend to the, to the neighborhood where they got the good candy, I guess, after they use me on the golf cart. <laughs> well, that's, that sounds like good times. Well, yeah. Lee, before we get, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Obviously it's been a while since I've had you on here, but there is the fishing industry has no shortage of topics right now, but before we go any further, I mean, you did something on this show for this show that, that I don't think any other guest has ever done or I've even done. And that is promote this episode before this episode was actually recorded. Obviously, it was kind of highly publicized. Um, what we talked about last year, you know, with the, the change in boats. Um, and I appreciate you for announcing that here. And I appreciate you for obviously saying on social media you're going to announce what direction you're going with your boat in the future yeah i kind of, kind of felt like it was uh the place to do it after after we uh did the show last year on what had happened with 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 that and uh i didn't ask if i could uh, preview promo it so i just did it so it's <laughs> always the best way just 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 go ahead and do it um so so how are we going to do this? We're going to we're going to like string this along like the LeBron decision. Are we are we are we how do you want to announce this? Where what are you doing? I mean, yeah, I guess we should have talked about that, but we never talk about anything before we do this. <laughs> we just push record. Uh, it, it was uh, it was cool to see the companies that reached out to me uh, when what happened last year. And uh, I can't thank all those companies enough, you know, from Blazer to Phoenix to 
Vexus to PPS and Triton and those guys. I mean, I had a lot of companies reach out and, and I appreciate all of them. You know, you can only run one boat <clears throat> and, uh, you know, especially Phoenix with, uh, Teresa and, and Gary, you know, <clears throat> I've, I've ran a lot of their boats, uh, you know, ship sells their boats down the road, uh, where I work out of or where I run my boats out of. So can't thank those enough. You know, Phoenix has been family to me for a long time and, uh, it was nice running a Phoenix again this year, you know, but, but I found a new family, uh, Dave, and, uh, this company reached out to me, you know, early on in, in the spring and just wanted to, to get my thoughts on what I, you know, wanted to do, you know, not, not last year, but, you know, 2024 and, and the rest of my career. And, uh, they're, they're really right down the road. They're only three hours away from my house. Uh, had multiple meetings, you know, top to bottom with everybody there. And it just, and it just felt right. You know, this was when I was talking to everybody, you know, trying to find a new home uh, for the rest of my career, you know, cause I don't want to bounce around like, like I had the last couple of years with what's been going on. So, you know, they, they just felt like family and uh, you know, took me in, in their doors, the whole facility, the whole operation, you know, their, their long time, their history is, you know, years and years and years from everything from little boats to the, the biggest boats and bass boats and bay boats, everything in between, you know, and I couldn't be more happier to, to join the express boats team. Uh, you know, Rory, Clay, Bobby, Pee Wee, everybody there, everybody there at express, you know, uh, opened up the door and brought me in just, you know, like I was family and not only just fishing the elites, you know, but you know, they like the, the hunting side of it, duck hunting, deer hunting, just the outdoorsman, you know, being an outdoorsman and not just hunting, you know, I love to do everything, crappie fish, catfish, run trot lines, noodle, and just be on the lake with my family and, you know, my friends, my mom and dad, friends, everybody. So it just felt right. And uh, obviously they make a great boat. Uh, you know, they're <clears throat> major joint account with Yamaha motors. So I'll be running a Yamaha motor. Oh, cool. Uh, um, from now on and uh, couldn't be any happier to be with them you know a great motor great history there but you know it's, it's it's mainly just that that express family atmosphere that that drew me to them you know um i, I can't be more excited you know to run a, a you know 21 foot aluminum rig like that with a with a show on it and uh be part of that that family you know i've, I've known rory a little bit through through the walls, more duck hunting than anything. And, and Clay Connor at Express, who's, who's the main guy that, you know, hooked me up with all this, to be honest, you know, that brought me in the door and and introduced what I can do with my brand and fishing the elites uh, to Rory and the Express staff. Uh, and we went back and forth all year, you know, it, it wasn't just uh, <clears throat> a one and done deal. And, uh, you know, we made it work on my end, their end, Yamaha's end everybody's happy everybody's going to be happy and we have a, a really good extended long uh, contract and i hope to be in an express yamaha the rest of my career and uh can't be more excited wow wow that's i'm i guess i'm kind of shocked but but it makes sense too obviously you you travel with caleb there's connection there it's a company that's close to you um my 10 I mean, I'm assuming you tested this out and went, you know, every, every, you wouldn't have made a decision like this without, I'm sure. Right. And I've been in their boats 
obviously with Caleb and Jason and Bill and a lot of the guys on tour, you know, I've been in and out of their boats fishing when we're on the road, you know, whether it's on a day off or just messing around with Caleb or, or, or whatever, you know, and obviously I've been in a boat, you know, since, since all this started in, in Clay's boat and man, they're, they are high performance, uh, aluminum boats. Um, I can't be more happy. I mean, they're, they're, there's a lot of different uh, variables to make them great boats. I mean, we see guys winning all over the board mm-hmm. in aluminum boats from Cox and a Crestliner to Gusty and a Lund, and obviously Bill and in the Express and what Christy did in the Express, winning the Classic in multiple elite events. So, I mean, it's it's all over the board. You know, it's it's not just uh, Express. You know, it's tin's hot right now. Aluminum's hot in the fishing industry, and it, and it shows us, you know, that you don't have to go spend a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars on a glass rig to win anything you know whether you're fishing a tuesday nighter fun fishing saltwater fishing bass fishing or fishing the bass masters classic you know it's it's been proven uh what what's happening in the aluminum rigs you know there's there's pluses minuses everything in between i can i can win in it and i can do everything i need to out of that express x21 and, and i'm excited to showcase what it can do Wow. Well, congratulations. Breaking notes. I mean, that, that doesn't often happen on this show. I think it only actually happens when you come on this show, it turns out. Um, no, good for you. That's that's uh, great news. Welcome to Team Yamaha. I mean, I've obviously worked with them for oh, 30 years now, which means I'm old as dirt. Um, and I know the guys that express Yamaha, they, you know, Clay and everybody there. It's incredible. I love companies that you know, one company can't dominate an industry, you know, and I know they all compete with each other, but yeah, th- 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 we need them all. And and I've always said that to Clay and the, the folks from Express. It's great to have you guys involved in Bass Fish. And I feel the same way with Gussie and the Lund Connection. It's great to have because for years there was no aluminum boats. And now we're in a situation where the last two classics have been one out of an aluminum boat. So yeah. seeing that, did that, did that, make this decision easier or did it, it, it you know in your head just to be like well we're seeing success with these guys uh, honestly it, it did i mean obviously yeah should for anybody that's just what it is but you know I, and i talked around i talked to everybody you know that's that's ran an aluminum boat express to, to crestliner to anything just asked all the negative all the positives and man you know it's it's mainly positive and it's proven, you know, that they can win doing anything, you know, express is huge. I didn't under, obviously I know they're huge and a big company and a great brand, but golly, when I walked in the facility there, it just kept going and going and going. But you got to understand, man, they're making duck boats and center console crappie boats and bay boats and everything in between everything you can imagine. You know, I don't even, I still don't even know what all they make and have their pontoon lineup, uh, there in hot springs too and it was just cool to to see everything they do and how great of a process it is you know i've been to different factories the skeeter and, and the phoenix and stuff like that and it, it's cool watching how these big companies like that you know their process and making the boats and express has theirs down packed i was really impressed by the facilities and and how they make their boats which helped me you know yeah because i've not going to name names but i've seen other facilities that were not ran top of the line to to say the least so 
uh, it was it was cool to meet them, and it was like I, I keep saying family, but that's what it was, man. They brought me in, and they were like, man, let's you know, not what can you do for us on the elites? It was like, can you go duck hunting this winter, and you know, deer hunting over here, and you know, come eat with the crew and stuff like that is what drew me in, you know. So I, I'm excited, you know, and I'm not gonna sit here and just plug Express Yamaha the whole time just because that's not what we solely got on here for we got on here to talk but I, I i've been excited about it you know this contract's been done for months now and i've been having to hold it in and lie to everybody about what i've what i'm gonna run and and everything so it's good to to get it out there and i'll be looking forward to you know getting a lot of people you know clients on fork and yeah people in general in the boat and letting them see how it runs because that sucker will run well, very cool. Congratulations. It uh, One of the things you hit on there, and, and I think that that is the most underestimated thing in pro fishing, but that feeling like when you say family, that's, I mean, I've said that to you before about my relationship with Phoenix. That's, I, I feel like, honestly, like it, it, it in such a crazy time, it, it, I, you can't underestimate just how important it is to feel like you are part of something and you, you know, you're, they're part of your family. Do you realize how rare it probably is in today's world, like with as tough as the economy may or may not be, as tough as pro fishing, you know, the amount of pro anglers out there. But when you're telling me about, I talked to this company and this company and this company, to have that many companies interested in you running their product, that has to be pretty flattering. And, and you're in a pretty rare air because that's just not, the truth of today's industry i would imagine yeah and, and it was and like and i said that you know to to give all them a shout out you know chris from blazer was awesome man I, I worked with him a lot of the year trying to get some stuff done and there might be another elite angler coming out that's in a blazer that will be a surprise out there i'm not going to spoil that obviously so they got them a good one too and uh like i said with Teresa and gary and and andy you know i love andy he's our phoenix mechanic that travels with us and he'll work on anything you know if you break down in a party barge out there he's probably going to help you so i can't thank those guys enough and you know dustin at bass pro shops and everybody everybody that i talked to man they were all great you know i can just you know guck and some of those guys over that are working at a uh, vexus now that that just reached out to me you know couldn't make it happen for for all of them obviously you can only run one boat so it was just it was good to have good people reach out to me and have good conversations and, and, and enjoy it, you know, and at the same time, be able to say, Hey, you know, I appreciate everything, but I have, this is what I'm choosing for my family and my future, you know, because that's what it's for. So I'm excited. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I look forward to watching you compete in, in that boat. And as I said, welcome to team Yamaha and uh, express obviously a great family. And, and I think a great fit for who you are. I mean, for your, image that isn't a created image i mean it's who you are but it, it definitely lines up with 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 who you are you you got to feel the same way no oh yeah i mean whatever you want to call it you know but just the the whole whiskey myers and the and the bush light and the, the six cents and easy step just there's so many little pieces of the puzzle and being from east texas you know they're only only three hours away you know i'm more of a Kunash redneck than a professional fisherman for sure you know i mean me and you talk you know every week or so usually in the woods you know breaking something or drinking a beer or killing something or doing something outdoors. sometimes all the above that's 
uh, every day pretty much <laughs> but uh it it fits it really does you know i like to jump on the sabine river and run trot lines and limb lines and, and go shoot a duck and a doe and enjoy a nice cold bush light afterwards listening to some whiskey myers and that's kind of what uh you know i've, I've wrapped my my hands around my not only my sponsors but the companies that i'm i'm with you know it's it's cool you know i can like whiskey myers played in tyler a couple weekends ago and just you know chris and them boys and drove over there and jumped on the bus like we were one of them and you know never skipped a beat and had a couple beers and and went on and and the same thing with other companies you know i've got six cents right down the road and in conroe and i drive down there you know once or twice a year and just meet meet with all the guys and it's nice to to meet the the people that work in the office too not just myself you know with the the owners or whoever's writing my check it's nice to go and talk to everybody and be able to you know sit around with guys and just bullshit honestly you know the night after the whiskey myers concert me and chris and todd the the guy that drives the tour bus we all went fishing up here in the, in mount pleasant on cavender's lake and just smashed them you know it, it's fun to to enjoy your friends that you're partnered with yeah you know you got the right partners if you if you consider them friends you know and 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 that is the truth you know I hate when you hear stuff like, oh, business doesn't mix, you know, friends and business don't mix. Or, And I agree with that for a certain extent. Like, you don't need to call your best friend and say, hey, I need this done. Or, you know what I mean? That, that can cause problems. But that's our industry. Like, when you start working with a company, you become friends with that person just because that's how our industry. I mean, everybody that's in it is in it because they love it. But if you listen to the media now, dude it may seem like our industry is freaking on fire because i mean it just seems like i mean first of all in ridiculous news did you see that those idiots the walleye the walleye poachers have now been charged yeah. with with allegedly he couldn't hunt since 2008 but he does have offenses between 13 and 21 and now chase kaminsky the dude who was all the news for the walleye stuff has now been charged with the hunting stuff. So at least that's ridiculous stuff in the fishing industry that has nothing to do with tournament fishing, but there there's been a lot of uh, crap floating around. Is that just the off season? I saw that guy got busted for counterfeit $100 bills with his like 13 year old kid or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> that, that just a lifer. He's oh he yeah. Right. Sent his kid to the bowling alley. I think his kid was 18, but still his kid, I think whatever age his kid was, but when I read it, sent his kid to the bowling alley to spend some hundred dollars counterfeit hundred dollar bills. So I guess once a thief, always a thief. Yeah. No, and, and I'm with you. I've uh obviously there's all kinds of stuff going around right now with forward facing sonar and schedules and opens and major league fishing and all the crap going on over there and just and I, I stay up to date on my social media and I just see all these negative comments, you know, and it's, and it's nobody fishing, you know, it's people just talking, but it's just, oh, the professional fishing is just a dumpster fire right now. And it's just trash and you can't make a living. I see so many little YouTube, you can't make a living being a professional fisherman and professional fishermen cheating and all this stuff. And dude, it's just trash you know i mean there's so many people making a great living for their families and in, in the outdoor industry you know 
not only fishing the elites, but you know, there's a yeah. million, million jobs out there for professional fishing, you know, from, from companies like six cents to express to, to you. I don't even know what you do besides MC and, and <laughs> underwater shoot. So I just talk. It's, it's cool to, to actually see how good the professional fishing industry really is and sit back and watch the people that are sitting there talking crap about it. that don't have any idea. And maybe it is out there and I'm just in my own little bubble having a good time but i'm enjoying it very much i mean there's definitely stuff going on that's you know needs to be talked about to a certain extent but i just i really think that a lot of it too is i mean hey if we put up if i put the title to this podcast lee livesey the fishing industry is a dumpster fire this podcast <laughs> will get 10 <laughs> times the amount of plays oh, that yeah. if i just put lee livesey happy to be living his life like it's just i mean it's the negative world that fishing i don't know i don't get it like i think it's social media i mean it gets traffic i guess i don't i don't know how do you stay you're doing a job that if you go online people will say you can't do i mean without becoming a different person a youtuber or this and which is stuff you are doing and doing very well how do you stay sane in it? Do you just ignore all that chatter? Yeah, you just have to ignore it. I mean, I could very easily make a YouTube video and put whatever kind of clickbait on there and say whatever. I killed Caleb Summerall or something. I don't know. <laughs> I see it all the time. And a bunch of my buddies do it. You know, Milliken, love him to death. He's king. He's the king of clickbait. And I just talked to him in a second ago of what's going on with him and his little controversy. But, uh, I'm just not like that. Just like, I, you know, I'm with Waterland sunglasses and I'm sure you've seen the, the ad we have out with uh, Matt Robertson's on our team as well. And the one of him in the mink coat and the, <laughs> the big white glasses and all that with my buddy Zach in there. Have you seen that ad? I have yeah. seen it. Yeah. yeah. And like I was down there with him in a meeting the other day and I was like, you know what? I'm just want to make sure y'all know that that's not me right there. I'm not, I'm not going to do that photo shoot. And I know that photo shoot sold so many more sunglasses than I did. I know it sold to every whatever grown up kid, whatever in the world. And I understand the advertising and I, I love Matt to death and understand his genius advertising too. But I just want everybody in this room to know that that's not me. I'm going to sell them my way and they were all like oh yeah we know we know so there's stuff like that on both ends you know good and bad and i think you just have to ignore it like you said or just smile at it and tell them that's not your style so no fur coats we will not see you wearing fur no fur coats all right all right i mean it's taken anyways not on an ad at least <laughs> <laughs> just on a casual fun night out but not on an ad <laughs> deep. where are you at with your career now where do you feel i mean dude you are one of the winningest i think you're the winningest pro on the elite since the split like literally i'm trying i, I mean i if i'm wrong somebody's going to correct me anyways and we'll find out but i mean you're you've won four events you're qualified for four classics so, I mean, if you're not the winningest pro since the split, I mean, you're right there with somebody else who, I, I don't know, Jason Christie had, has won a few, Brandon's won a few, but I still think you know, <laughs> Christie's won three. 
Brandon's Patrick. won two since coming back. So I think, dude, Patrick. I think you're winning this. Yeah, Patrick. Three. Yeah, he's right there with you. He's won three NPFLs too. So I mean, yeah, yeah, he's up there well, too. How do you feel about your career at this point? So I'm obviously I'm happy about it, but like, you know, it's weird. And we talked about this after I won four in like two years that man, you don't win one one year. Everybody's like, what the hell is going on? And and I kind of felt like that this year, not other people, but myself. And I just had one of those, I had a great year, you know, made the classic and, you know, had some great cuts and great classic finish and all that. But, you know, it's just winning for me. You know, I'm, I, I like to win. I want more trophies. And it was just one of those years where it felt like just, I never even almost found the winning fish anywhere <clears throat> when in the last six, seven years of my fishing career, and that's fishing champs and opens and and the five years of elites too, man, it felt like I was always on a winning group of fish at 80% of the events. And obviously it only works out a couple of times. And it felt like last year, I never even got on a winning group of fish ever, like at any of the events, like you have the feeling like you might not know how to close it because you're not familiar with the lakes being an elite guy, but you know, even a lot of those opens when I was, doing good there before I qualified, man, I was feeling good. Like, man, I can win off of this if it works out, if they last, you know, kind of stuff. And the same thing, fishing bass champs and stuff like that. And I did win a big tournament this year. I won a Brandon yeah. Bell on uh, Ray Roberts in February. I kind of forget about that, but not an elite, you know, so me in the future is just winning more trophies and keeping my sponsors happy that I have in my circle for, for, 15 years, 20 years, however long I fish, you know, I'm comfortable with what I have as far as that family atmosphere from top to bottom, everybody, uh, especially joining the express deal that, that we talked about, you know, that was kind of the closing, you know, you can't have a hundred sponsors. Yeah. You can't, you can't work for a hundred, you know, in my mentality, you can have around 20 max, maybe a little bit more, you know, I've had more than that, you know, 23, 24, 25 or less, you know. You've had 25 sponsors at one time? Well, probably 23 or 24 when my first when oh. I was first coming in cuz some of those deals were $2500 deals, $5000 deals, you know, just honestly people trying to help me get started. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, then I was giving them two, four, five guide trips to each buddy to try to make everybody happy and you just <sighs> You can't do that until you kind of collaborate everybody and and you know the longer you fish and the more you win you're going to get paid more obviously as long as you're delivering your deliverables and being a good human being i guess so but like i was saying i'm kind of getting sidetracked uh you know i kind of had a weird year where it was a good year but it didn't feel great yeah I felt like I had a lot more potential to expand and it just didn't happen this year. So I've been really focused, honestly, uh, doing a lot of studying, which I always do, but it's, it's feeling back. Right. And, you know, I just want to have an opportunity to win a couple more events next year, uh, anywhere, you know, and, uh, I might fish a couple other deals on the side just to fish a little bit more. I think I need to fish a little bit more. Uh, obviously we had lane last year or, you know, year and a half ago now year and six months ago so dude i, I didn't fish a lot when i was home the yeah. least the least i've ever fished and you know since i was 13 years old was last year 
not counting fishing the elites and the classic, obviously. So, you know, just getting back in the boat and uh, I'm going to do a lot of fishing this winter, winter time, you know, fork to lead a bend just around the house uh, and uh, kind of get back in the groove of things a little bit more and uh, do, I might pre-practice a couple events this year. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not big on that. I usually pick one or two uh, to do every year. So I might do that. I'll probably do the classic this year. Actually, I've never pre-practiced the classic. I don't think. So I'll probably go up there and pre-practice grain before it goes off. I really, really want to win another tournament. That's it. And a whole bunch more and, and, uh, produce content for my, for my companies and hunt and fish and enjoy my family and my friends. And, and that's it, man. So when you say you do a lot of off season study and what is studying, look like for you like what how do you do that i mean 90 percent of it's on my laptop not looking at past tournament results or lures or anything like that i'm, I'm a google earth guy and a and a hot maps mm -hmm. guy um just looking at my lake master map you know from hummingbird at the lakes and looking at, at google earth looking at looking at the lake and just it's not saying, oh, there's a rock point there. Or, there's a gravel bar there. Or, oh, there's low water. I can see a brush pile there, clay point, whatever. It's it's everything. You know, it's it's putting contours to the map without doing it. It's looking at, you know, I can look at a lake, whatever it is, Grand Lake, so to speak. You know, I've been there one time for an open. Got my butt whipped. Uh but I, I broke the lake down on on Google Earth and my net or my uh, <clears throat> my Lake Master on my iPad, and you know I probably got five or six hundred waypoints on there where I think I can pull up in late March and catch a bass, you know. <clears throat> and if I have five hundred of them, then I get there and I only get to look at a hundred of them, and then ten of them produce, and then I find another ten that you know obviously the stuff I looked at's not always going to work out ever but it gives me somewhere to start and it gives me if i find something like hey man i can look back at my my computer and say hey you marked a flat gravel bar over here in front of some willow trees you know and you found a brush pile there and eight foot of water where can you reproduce that and i can have it all there like i'll break down 80 percent of the lakes before christmas completely wow you know on computers and, and on, on my lake master map and it, it never works out you know, ever, but it, it lets, it's like being at the lake, you know, it's like I can go to Grand Lake for a week. I can't go do that and be away from my family and, and, and daughters and my wife and, and companies and stuff. I mean, hopefully I'll get up there for three or four days when I actually have to be on the water looking, but it's not the same. So it, it's like having eyes on the lake, uh, somewhat. And that, that's how I break, break stuff down is all computer and iPad just, Lake Master Mapping and Google Earth. When when you said, yeah, last year didn't kind of feel the same, uh, is that just result-based or like going into events where you thinking it no, felt different? No, I don't know. I honestly can't. To be honest, I started off the year really good. I kind of felt, you know, I'd I'd fished the first two events, two top 20s, like 20th, 25th, two places I, where was it? It was Okeechobee and Seminole. I'd never been to either one of them, so I felt good, and I actually felt like I could have done a lot better of both of them. I just didn't realize what I had until the third day, and it's over, you know? 
Like if I'd have known more now at Okeechobee, I feel like I could have top tended it. Not more. Yeah. And uh, same thing at Seminole. I was just so close. So that was great. And then I went to that belt. I won the belt on Ray Roberts, got first in that, made 60 grand almost, and then went to the classic and finished 12th or 13th, whatever I finished this year at the classic. But I felt like I was in that top six, seven, and I was at some point in time. And it just, you know, I didn't get a bite here. There wasn't nothing to compete with Gussie, but one little spot I feel like. So I'm like feeling it at this point in time. And then we went to what was after the classic? Do you remember? After the classic was Murray. Um, yeah. Murray. I think might have been Murray. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was Murray. Yeah. We went Santee Lay after that. Yeah. So went to Murray, had a top 13 there. I was 12th or 13th. Like should have made the top 10 easy. So at this point, I'm like, dude, I might win AOI. You know, I mean, that's how you got to think. As yeah. you know, I'm not like calling a guy like I don't think about it, you know, because I was sitting in way up. I was in the top six or seven in AOI, you know, going into Santee and just. I wish Santee would just spring a leak and drain. I've been there three times and I've missed the cut all three times. It blows my mind. It ought to be right up my alley. And, uh, did this time I had a great practice. I stayed away from everybody talking about all this eel grass and all these main lake trees where Luke catches giant bags and where Matt was catching them and Drew catch. I wouldn't, I didn't go down there like an idiot just because I was, I knew what I wanted to do, knew where I wanted to do it. And I had a great practice, had a great shad spawn deal going on up the river and uh, had some giants up in Jack's on a frog. I'd catch like, I thought I could catch 30 pounds a day frogging if the weather was right and they ate it, you know, I had a nine and practice shook a bunch of big ones off one day, but I had this really good shad spawn in both of them. And I had to pick, you know, which one are you going to go to first? Like one of them was like guaranteed you're going to go catch 17, 18 pounds with not a big ceiling. But if I go into Jack's, I might catch 30 pounds, you know, quick. Or maybe you catch 23 to 25. <clears throat> and I, shoot i was in the 80s or 90s the first day i caught like two or three little bitty bass on a wacky worm up in the swamp or stump hole whatever they call it where i'd had 20 or 30 bites a day shaking them off on a wacky worm. i'm talking about backup stuff like this is after i didn't catch anything on the shad swan i started in jacks and just didn't happen and went up there it was too late for my other one and then i'll, oh, I'll just go over here and stay stay up in the cut and just didn't catch anything the second day i'm like crap i'm so far down here i gotta go back up there to catch up you know <clears throat> so and that's you know i threw a spun a hub or broke a prop ear going out that second day and it cost me getting the, i was gonna go to the other shad spawn and just get, try to catch a biggest bag i could and didn't make it up there because of that broke down and just honestly i kind of salvaged my day i went up there afterwards and i caught like a five and a half pounder on a on a devil's horse like a prop bait style bait a little bitty keeper and i was had two fish again at three o'clock or whatever time i'd be in and i was coming back down and i i stopped where i'd never fished before and i caught a seven pounder uh just randomly throwing on a six inch square bill and it honestly it jumped me from like the 80s or 90s whatever that would have been up to 60s or 65th or something like that so it kind of saved my day but that was the turning point and it just kind of messed me up. And then I went to Lay Lake, had a really bad event there, did the same thing, made terrible decisions. Uh, 
finished in the bottom right there. And then everything else after that was good again, you know, but they were just 30s at the Sabine, 30s at Champlain, 30s at, you know, here. And it was just a weird year because when you have two bad events like that, like I did back to back, it, it gives you a different state of mind. You're like, oh, crap, you know, I got to get in the classic before I think about winning the world, you know? Yeah. It was kind of a, a great year, bad year, had to salvage the year kind of deal. It just never felt right the whole year. Yeah, it, it's it's but those salvage events like you talked about, that's I mean, that's what wins. Anglia, that's what makes you qualify for the classic. But the other thing that stood out as different this year is it was your first year kind of chronicling everything and, and going all in with the YouTube and, and dude. Yeah if you look at your numbers and you compare it to a lot of the folks that are doing it, your YouTube series is doing incredibly well. Do you think that that may have pulled you away a little bit? Like not using it as an excuse, but like going into this season, I'm assuming you're doing that again. Is there anything you doing different or how are your feelings after one year of doing that? No, it, it was great. And we still actually have three more events to release. We've kind of been holding on to them getting a little bit better viewership from uh, late summer so be looking for st Clair, champlain and the st lawrence they, they're coming out we got them all done pretty much so no i don't think it was a distraction at all and honestly if if jesse did anything he probably helped me on a lot of stuff you know little stuff grabbing my truck throw the tarp on there go in there and get this while i do this you know he was like my little right hand man and uh you know you see some of the guys that have started them have a bad year when they first do it. Uh, I talked to some of those guys. I don't think it dampered me, hampered me at all. It was, it was cool. Uh, you know, we're going to get better and grow it, you know, outside of fishing the elites too, you know, all kinds of stuff. So that, that was good, you know, not just for my brand, but for, for all of us, for Jesse, for uh, Jesse did a phenomenal job. He's so good. He's, yeah. he's almost too professional. Uh, really enjoyed Jesse. I mean, he was so much fun this year. He's so malleable, dude. He could drink coffee with a priest or watch a crackhead smoke crack on the corner and be best friends with both of them. He was just that kind of guy. He was, you could bring him into any situation with anybody and everybody liked him. So Jesse was awesome. So it was, you know, we got to see Logan's personality kind of pop up. Yeah. Everybody, everybody knows Caleb already. He's the, the, the heart of the show for sure. <laughs> Uh, so it'll, it'll just get better. You know, we'll get more comfortable and better on everything. And, uh, you know, I think you have 300,000 and, and one subscribers. I think we have 7,000 and one. So we got some work to do if we're going to get on your level. Well, uh, <laughs> dude, I think you're, I think you're, I mean, I, if I look at your numbers, you guys are doing really well. And I compare it to like at a time when, I mean, there is a lot of anglers doing what you're doing. I mean, it's not like, you know, when Polnick was one of the only ones doing it and yeah, Hunter Shryak was real early and all of that too. Um, but now everybody's doing it. How do you, why do you think your stuff gets the plays that it does? Aside from obviously Jesse's incredible at his job. He does a great job editing it and puts it together and it's beautiful. But, but aside from that, why do you think, your stuff's getting the traffic that it does. Uh, it's, it's obvious, you know, we just, there's a lot of fishermen out there that are just like us, you know, we're just normal. Guys. I mean, honestly, you know, yeah. there's, I'm not trying to be Brandon Polinick. I'm not trying to be Chris Zaldane. I'm not trying to be Wheeler or these guys that have these great YouTube channels that are, 
you know, we're, and I'm, I'm friends with all those guys is why I mentioned their names uh, <clears throat> because I, I like what they put out and I like them as, as human beings and friends, but uh, you know, obviously we're not, we have to mute out Caleb a little bit every now and then, uh, but we're keeping it real, you know, letting most of the language fly, you know, showing the highs, showing the lows, showing the, the struggle talking about, you know, whether somebody's having to make a payment the next week for the elites or for a car payment or whatever it is. And they need to catch them this week and drinking beer and listening to whiskey Myers and talking shit and just being normal guys, you know, that guys that get up and go fish the bass clubs on Saturday mornings, you know, that's what they're doing. You know, they're going out there to, to have their fraternity of their friends or their club drinking beer, cooking food, just like we do. You know, it's, it's not all, popcorns pinatas and princesses and professional bass fishing you know there's distress and distraught and we struggle and you know we fight with each other and we bring deer meat on the road and cook to cost you know cut down on costs and we drink bush light and listen to whiskey myers you know that's who we are and that's what we want everybody to see and i think that's why it's kind of grabbing it's kind of grabbing that blue collar uh line of of anglers and young you know young kids too it's not just about drinking beer you know we're honest we keep everything up front and and show the struggles and 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 the good too obviously and obviously jesse is really 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 good yeah yeah his work's incredible um you, you you and you do show it like it is um some stuff though i mean one of the greatest gifts that the elite series has gotten in recent history is a little man from japan called Takumi Ito and I think you're doing your job to like corrupt him I mean I've seen you make <laughs> tell me about getting Takumi Ito to shotgun a beer <laughs> so it's not shotgun a beer in Japan it's shikana beer shikana beer <laughs> so he did shotgun a beer with us at lacrosse Taku likes to drink a couple beers when he gets done with the event nothing wrong with that he, he likes beer oh, yeah I love beer he, I love beer is what he'll tell me but uh so we're at lacrosse wisconsin we'd all got cut it was the third day and everybody was over there gussie matt chris Corey. that's when matt and caleb and taku wrestled on the dock and everybody saw all that but <clears throat> what i'm getting at is why he caught it shikana beer he shotgunned a beer drank another beer and was like you know kind of tipsy whatever we walked he was staying at the house next door he didn't have to drive anywhere so we kind of got him inebriated he walked back to his house, couldn't find his house, and he lost his phone, I think. But uh, that's a whole other story. But so, like, uh, there was a video. Somebody had their phone out. Davey just missed this, too, by the way. He just left. Or maybe he was there. I can't remember. But somebody recorded, me or Caleb or whoever. Jake was there. Jake might have done it. Recorded Taku shotgun and a beer. And we posted it on our stories. You know, ah, everybody was laughing about Taku shotgunning a beer because Caleb was like, hey, man, you want a shotgun a beer? And Taku was like, shotgun a beer? Yeah. And he showed him how, you know, showed him how to shotgun a beer. And then Taku did it. We videoed it. And well, like a week went by. I was like, he's not going to repost that to the story. So I get on there one day and sure enough, he reposted it to a story, him shotgun and a beer with us. <clears throat> but it said S-H-A-K-A-N-N-A beer. I was like, Shikana beer. Is that some kind of like Japanese beer or something? So I screenshot it sent to Caleb. I said, Shikana beer. And I was like, oh, he thinks we meant shotgun a beer. And his language was Shikana beer. <laughs> So yeah, Taku shot Shikanda beer with us. 
he, he's a pretty amazing little man. Um, it, it's it it's when you think of the stuff he's battled through, dude. Like to be here, that's when you hear people say, "Oh, it's impossible to do it." You're like, "Well, look what that dude did." I mean, and the amount of time he spends away from his family and the impact that he like how short a time it took him to make the elite. So, and same thing with with Kyoya. I mean, the the impact that he's had. Um, but Kyoya is not as personable as Takumi, is he? Kyoya is just here to take everybody's money. No, he'll he'll talk. I, t- I try to talk to both of them as much as I can. I kind of mess with them more than anything. <clears throat> but Koyo, he'll he'll talk to you and answer all your questions, but nothing more than that. Like I had him. Uh, this is funny. I just thought of this since you brought him up, and I'm a huge Koyo and and Taku fan, obviously. But uh, so Koyo won Champlain this year and was catching like 23 and a half pounds a day. All, they all looked exactly the same. We were in weigh-in line one day, like the third day. He pretty much weighed the same thing in every day. And Taku was doing good, but he wasn't catching 23 and a half pounds, you know. And I was beside Taku in, in my tank, and Koyo was right across from us on the other side. And he was, you know, showing his fish, and had a, everybody was over there taking pictures. And me and Taku just had whatever, 20 pounds, whatever. Nobody was taking pictures of me and Taku. So I was sitting there talking to Taku, kind of asking him, you know, what would you catch him on some of the baits and stuff? And that's when Koyo walked up and saw the fish and Taku kind of looked at him and was like mean mugging him. I was thinking, okay, you know, and he said, that boy, that boy and pointed at him. And I was like, yeah, he goes, he just catch, 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 catch. <laughs> if you were there and you heard him say it and the way he was looking at him it was hilarious he was like dang this dude's catching him so he, he sees how good Koyo's catching him too not just just taku Koya obviously highly touted and before we we went live i said ah let's not even talk about that but we i kind of feel like we have to um just because we're talking about Koya. but the thing he's known for obviously is forward facing sonar he is Five to six transducers, depending on who you ask. Yeah. My prediction is that there is literally a pro fishing arms race going on right now. We have people building boats. Like, I can't wait to the first event and see what happens. There's going to be dudes showing up with stuff hanging all, all over their boat to try to keep up. Are you part of that arms race or how do you choose to? Hell no. <laughs> Not part of that. And then good for those guys doing that. That's just not my game. Uh, and I, I'll still keep my mega live on there and I use it when I have to, you know, when I go up North and in certain stuff, I use it all over the world, but I'm not an all in guy with it. Like, like Taku and Koyo. And I have heard some boat builds getting pretty serious. I think Zaldane's going to have a pretty interesting rig. Uh, so it'll, it'll be cool to see those guys like that. But then, you know, I just saw John Cox top 10 in MPFL on Lake Lanier with no transducer on his boat going down the bank while Patrick Walters went offshore with live scope. So it, it, it goes both ways. You know, me and my wife fight about this. Gosh, it almost would cause us our marriage about forward facing sonar because she's a nerd. She's a computer nerd. She's a reader and knows everything in the world and, and she's good at all that, but I'm hardcore, you know, Matt Heron style. Screw that. I can win without it. And, uh, and I can, I have, and uh, that that's my game so it'll be interesting this year to see 
what everybody comes out with and how many get one with it and how many get one without it. I've kind of put pen to paper on, on the, on the numbers and I'm ready to see what it, what it comes out to be. Well, you mentioned having Matt Heron, even Matt Heron, like every second video I see him posting in the off season, he is practicing forward facing sonar. I guarantee you those guys are still out there practicing with it, even though they're bitching about it. Don't get me wrong. Just like me, like I'm, and I'm not bitching about it. Uh, I'm just not a big, I'm not going to have 10 transducers on my boat <clears throat> and use it everywhere. I'm still going to do other stuff, but uh, I think, uh, I don't know. It'll be an interesting year. I was against it. I thought Bass would actually vote against it. I really did. Or I thought they would limit the transducers to one. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that's just me being honest on my side of it. Uh, I have a lot of friends that were hating on me for saying that, but, uh, I was against it. I, I don't like it. I don't think it's good for the sport <clears throat> and uh, kind of takes away from the fishing aspect and, and the knowledge and, and general general fishing knowledge, I, I think, you know, and it's it's still finding them and catching them with it, but it definitely rubs me the wrong way. And I'm not even going to get into my opinion more than that, but definitely, definitely ready to see what happens in the future. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, if there, if nothing changes, what do you think the, future is do you think i mean you hear people say it'll push fish closer to the bank you'll have more you know or do you just hope that eventually it is at least limited no and i, I think it's either way it's nothing's going to change it just it changed i think it changed the learning curve to the yeah. sport for young young or old anglers whoever wants to use it and utilize it and be a better fisherman with it I think it let them jump leaps and bounds <clears throat> over learning on the water for years and years of knowledge. And I now I'm past all that. It's not going to hurt me any, you know, I, I, I didn't even have a transduce. I didn't even run front graphs on my boat until after the classic this year. And I was in the top five in AOI and almost top five or top 10, the classic. So you don't have to have it, you know, and I put it on, I didn't use it really for the next three or four events besides one or two spots an event and obviously when i go to st Clair and st lawrence and champlain i know i have to have it if everybody else has has it so i'm, I'm not stupid but at the same time I, i'm gonna grab what i want to have confidence in and roll and you can win stuff and do really good without it so any young anglers out there that can't afford it don't have it don't want to have it you can still do great without any forward-facing sonar anywhere in the world you just have to catch them other ways why do you think last year it blew up as much as it did? Like, especially at the tail end. I mean, I, was it just the fact that we had a couple of smallmouth events in a row and those are always going to be dominated by electronics? hundred percent. Uh, those three, especially, you know, later, they were later in the year. St. Clair is just featureless. And I, the biggest fish I weighed at St. Clair, I wasn't scoping anything. I was, I want a big swim bit out there and just railing it in and caught, you know, one that got me in the cut. So you could do other stuff. I'm not saying, 99.9% .9 of the fish get caught with it that week because they did. Uh, but lakes like St. Clair, where they're just out in the open floating around on little bitty pieces of grass, I mean, it's just shooting fish in a barrel with it. You have to have it. Everybody has it. So that one gets dominated with it. Champlain, we were there so late. Late in the year, those fish were pelagic. They were on those alewives and whatever else they're eating out there that I don't know about, dude. That's just where they were. They were out. Yeah. It wouldn't this or that or pressure or this or that they were, that's just what they do they eat out there in the open that time of year the 
the 20 plus pound bags of fish that we have to have to compete now that live scope's there you know if it wasn't there we'd all still been competing the weights would have just been a little bit lower yeah and that's where i come back into man we still have great television instead of all of us looking at our screens we'd all be weighing in 17 pounds to 20 pounds you know throwing topwaters and chatterbaits and carolina rigs and flipping grass for largemouth and frogging and swim jigging and stuff that's great for TV, in my opinion, over watching Koyo's back not cast for 45 minutes. It's great as an angler. It's fun. I love using it yeah. and utilizing it. But I said at the St. Lawrence River on the Bass Live set uh, there at the Antique Boat Museum with you or whoever I was with, Bowman and somebody, and I sat there and watched whoever, Patrick, I think, and they didn't make it. It might have been Koya. Whoever. It doesn't matter the angle. I'm just saying who I remember it was. And they, all I did was see his back for like 20 minutes. And I'm sitting yeah. there having to talk about it. And I'm thinking about your job and Davey's job and the audience out there in the world. I'm like, I kind of got mad. I've already talked about this on a podcast. It might have been years. I don't remember. I kind of got mad. I was like, this is stupid. You know, I don't want to watch this as a fan because I'm a fan of the sport. I know I did this on a couple of podcasts. It just must not have been years. And, uh, that's when I kind of like got, it wasn't, I wasn't mad because I was getting beat with it or mad because uh, I don't like using it. It's mad because it wasn't a good show to me. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody can argue that. And it, and it definitely takes away from the show element of it. And, and there's some cool stuff that you see. I mean, and show on the graph, I get that, that, that makes it cool. There's some moments where you see, but not one of those moments equals what you felt when you saw Steve Kendi catch an eight pounder on a frog at Okeechobee, you know, none of those uh, are anything like your top water day on Lake fork. You know, it, it, that's, that's, that's what concerns me. I mean, it, it, it definitely takes away in that aspect. And then you hear people say, well, just show the graph and show the graph. And my answer to that is, yeah, I get that. But you're, you realize you're showing a graph now, like, but that's, like, I mean, this sport's been built on these great anglers and now we're just looking at a graph. Like it yeah. just, it just seems odd to me, but. And it, um, it definitely helped with the graph showing. Yeah. Like oh, it I, helps. I multiple people that are great fishermen and friends and whatever text me in those last three events, especially the third one, because they were tired and they were like, I'm not watching this. I'm turning bass live off for the first time ever because I don't want to watch this. And that, I mean, I kind of took that to heart when I came back and did those podcasts and talked about my opinion and still am right now. And dude, they, some people were stopping watching because of that. And I don't want that to happen. I want people to keep watching us. You know? Yeah. But uh, anyway, I was saying that because MPFL just did their Lanier show. I watched some of it this weekend. They had a, the live screen of everybody was scoping besides Cox, obviously. And, uh, and the same my buddy Jimmy is what I'm talking about. Jimmy Powell, he's one of the guys that texts me, you know, death to bass because of live scope at the St. Lawrence River. And he said, you know what, actually, this is pretty cool. And I'm actually enjoying this just because of the screen. So I think if we're going to have that in the future, it will help. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to have it. I mean, it, it's a, it's literally plugging into, uh, it's just a cable that comes out of your graph. It's not, it's not a science project. It's uh yeah. So I'm sure that that that's what we'll have in the future, but um, we'll see what the future of that becomes um, because it, it's, it's definitely a topic that 
that people, I mean, it's a polarizing topic. Nobody, I mean, that, that's why I, I say like, let's not even talk about it because the people that are against it won't hear part of the other side. And the people that are for it, just tell the people that are against it. Yeah. You're a relic. You're, yeah. I mean, at some point you just got to be realistic with, there's much good it brings like educational wise, but there's much bad it brings with the entertainment um, of our sport, which I think to me is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, what do you think of next year's schedule? Uh, I like it. Uh, obviously Lake Forks on there. Everybody's going to say, Oh, you're going to win again. But uh, I like it. You know, I don't have any history at Toledo Bend at all. Really. I've been there very, very, few times three or four times i've been on the water ever it's gonna fish kind of like fork you know i'm gonna like it you know i'm excited about toledo bend that time of year uh honestly it should fit right up my alley i'll have a lot of you know decisions to make where to go where to look it's a gigantic lake it's 100 miles long pretty much so you can't practice all of it for sure uh it's gonna put up some big weights it could be very wind and weather uh, variable there you know we could have some cancellations or some really tough fishing at the same time or it could be just lights out amazing too so toledo bend is going to be awesome then we come to lake fork uh late february early march that's going to be just gigantic weights you know the, the weather could mess us up a little bit but the weights will be huge you know it's that weird time where like they're getting on the bank that week you know I've had a lot of people just, oh, that's going to get dominated out there with, uh, that's the week where, you know, guys do the forward-facing sonar stuff all winter long on fork and just beat their heads in the dirt. And by, by late February, they're very, very hard to catch. And they could still get one out there, but uh, I think you're going to see some great fish catches up shallow, you know, two foot or less power fishing, you know, old school style. And that, you know, the, that one's always got potential to break the all-time weight record and uh, <clears throat> going to be some giant fish caught there. You know, the weights will be probably be higher than they have the last couple years there. They should be approaching that 120 plus range there if the weather's not just crazy. Wow. Should. Uh, I thought it was this last year too, though, and it didn't. And then we go to Grand Lake, Grand Lake's Grand Lake. I don't have any history there besides that one open. It's, it's a great lake. We're going to see some, uh, you know, it's tough that time of year. It's still tough. That's kind of the same time frame for four there. They're almost about to be getting on the beds or you could, it could be 10 degrees there and they could be, you know, out on brush and rock still. So that one will be interesting. You don't catch a lot of fish at Grand ever that early in the year, but you catch good quality. So I think the quality across the board will be really good. You know, it's right up my alley again is what I'm getting at with those three. And then we go to Florida, yeah. uh, St. John and Harris back to back in April uh, when we've never been there. I've obviously never been anywhere in Florida that time of year. So that'll be cool. You know, I watched what happened at Okeechobee in March last year. Uh, not that we're going there that late, but or that early, but it'll be close. I think there might be some great frog fishing and punching stuff like that, that we haven't seen when it's been more around the bed. So excited there to see you know what the difference is you know we've all been in st john's a bunch just not that yeah time. so i'm excited about that and harris you know i've only been to harris once those will be right up my alley should be uh then we go to um i'll just tell you hold on 
probably to Murray. Uh, yeah, right, right about there. Um, I have it in my phone here. I just gotta. Yeah, it's gonna be Murray. So Murray's gonna be later in the year than than we were this year by by quite a bit. I don't think I've ever seen anything go there that late. But it's it's a herring lake. Uh, they're they're still gonna be on herring. I don't know if they get like offshore schools like they do here in Texas, or they get on brush piles with the herring schooling on top, like they do at Lanier, or or or, or what. So they'll still be fish on beds and herring spawn going on. Hopefully, maybe not. And just that'll be kind of just a that's kind of that one and the Smith Lake one are both kind of up in air for me. On I don't really know anything about it. <clears throat> you know, you can run up the river and frog and flip and do stuff at, at Murray. I know that I'm going to definitely look at that one day. And uh, I, you know, obviously had a great event there this year, but I think it's just going to be a little long ways past that. I just don't know if they like go behind you or if they keep doing it up there where you can see them. So excited about that one. I'm just not sure. Then we go to Smith Lake in late June, pretty much the 4th of July on the biggest recreational lake around there besides Lake Lanier from what I hear. And uh, I say it's going to be kind of sketchy after 9, 10 o'clock uh, as far as the boat traffic is, big barges and cigar boats and whatever. So that one's, I think that one's going to get dominated with forward-facing sonar, offshore suspended fish more than likely. I'm going to dabble up there on the bank, you know, docks and, and stuff for largemouth, see if I can figure that out. But I've never been to Smith Lake. A lot of these guys either live around it or fished multiple high-level events. You know, there's a lot of our guys are Smith Lake locals or have a good knowledge. So maybe somebody will throw me a bone and put me into something. But that's one of those events I'm going to go in like 90% forward-facing sonar, hummingbird mega live you know, looking for them offshore suspended or schooling, whatever it is, and just figuring it out. You know, that'll be one of those I show up, figure out, not scared to do that. And then uh, the last three last, are Well, two. Smith Lake, then we go to Champlain, and we go to Wheeler. Or do we go to St. Lawrence, but I think you missed Wheeler. Oh, I skipped Wheeler. When is yeah. that? June. That one is June 20th or June 13th to 16th, yeah. right before Smith Lake, basically, or two weeks before. So Wheeler, I've never been there, but we had a there was an open there this year i watched some of those guys i think it's gonna fish kind of small but okay for our field size i think it's gonna kind of be tough actually just that's kind of later the fish have kind of been beat on offshore already and i think there's a little bit of grass in there you know that'll be one of those it's like having a big tennessee river lake but smaller or something i'll just get out there and figure out if they're in grass run up a river behind the tail race offshore you know whatever that'll be you know i'm not i love fishing offshore so i'll get there and idle for three days if i have to if that's going to be the deal and figure that one out i'm just gonna show up and fish that one too and then champlain and the st lawrence river are pretty much going to be exactly the same as as this year you know I've, I've been to both of them have experience there and and think i can win either one any any day in and out you you like that it's going to waddington which is much further up the river um do you how much is that going to change that event in your opinion uh i just think like the last time we went out of waddington i ran to the lake and did really good yeah uh, not a lot of us ran down there but a chunk of us did and this time i think 80 percent of us will. yeah everyone's Unless been to the lake 25 out of the southwest or something where it just takes you hours to get out there and I'll spend a day or so in the river, but I 
think we'll all be sitting at the gas station down in Cape Vincent waiting to get gas on the way in or way out. I think that's going to be the biggest problem is getting gas because we're all going to show up at the same time. So I think we're all going to go to the lake. Yeah. You got someone there cutting the grass or something? I keep hearing a noise. Yeah, they're weed eating outside. Perfect timing. <laughs> at least we know. At least people aren't like, what's wrong with? I hear something. It's just. It's, it's there's a guy out there with a chainsaw i don't know who it is <laughs> well i did just clean a deer out there. there there's blood and guts everywhere my my mowing crew is probably like what the hell is going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah congratulations shot a deer last night and on your own property which is got to be a great feeling oh yeah yeah it was it was good eating good so what uh you look forward to this season obviously you're you know gonna have a great year i would assume you most of your seasons on the elite series have been great but how do you change as an angler like how do you i mean you've been on the elite series now for a number of years and i know as driven as you are and as hard as you work on the business end of things and everything do you spend a lot of time like other than the research you talked about like but what do you take from each season? Like, for example, classic aside, you've been to three of them already. You're going to your fourth. Is there something in your head that like, this time I got to make sure to do this? So I've never really prepared much for a classic. I just show up and fish them because we do have a lot of practice time for the classics. We have like four days almost. They're spread yeah. out like a week and a half. It's weird. You did get like three days then you're off for three days and you get a day. So four days is a lot to look, but honestly, this one, um, being the grand's only like six hours away from our house, I'm actually going to spend a couple of days up there and just kind of get a feel for the lake on every, on the whole end, you know, grand is notorious for getting muddy, getting mud coming yeah. down the Elk river, or the Neosho, whichever one gets muddy. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, just being prepared for, for weather changes, hot, I think they could be on the beds that week or it could be miserably cold and snowing and it could be a forward facing sonar deal or cranking deal on rocks, or I could have something really good way up the river and it rains and I get up there and it's chocolate milk where I was leading the first day of the classic and I got a bell and, and go, you know, have backup, just getting a feel for the whole lake. I'm going to go spend, like I said, two or three days there. And, and it's just, <clears throat> when I say knowledge that you start gaining, you just mature a little bit, I think. And, uh, you know, we see 19-year-old, 18-year-old kids jumping on the elites and winning events and doing great, too. You know, knowledge is however fast you gain it, I guess. I'm just a slow learner. But uh, I think it just lets you make better choices. And and just sitting back and thinking of events and what could happen, you know, all, all the variables, weather, spots, you know, and just – being comfortable to change on a dime and move or, or at the same time sit in an area all day long you know compared to to jumping around too much you know stuff like that knowledge like that I think is where I, I start uh feeling myself become a better angler you know and, and just and spending time on the water I, I'm still a huge proponent for spending time on the water and just fishing you know for whatever species it is and and last year I felt like I did that the least amount than that I ever have in my life. So going into next year, it's going to be spending time on the water, whether I'm down the road, crappie fishing on Lake of the Pines or fishing on Fork or, or Toledo or, or wherever, and just kind of 
getting used to fishing, staying in a rhythm. You know, it's the same thing with anything in life. You know, if you change tires for a living and you don't do it for a year, you're probably going to be sloppy on that first tire you put on that tire machine. But if you just did, did them for 10 hours, you're probably going to whip it out pretty quick. So it's the same thing with fishing. Yeah. You still guiding? Much as I can. Very little, but as much as I can. I do a lot of filming more than anything, you know, fishing and hunting. Like I'm going with Mossy Oak up in Oklahoma, filming in uh, two weeks, filming with Mossy Oak up there, and then doing some hunting stuff with Express uh, up in Arkansas early December. So I do a lot of hunting, filming in the in the fall, and and fishing. You know, I'll go film for Six Sense and Halo and Netbait and all all those guys in and out, trying to get as much content as I can for them, so I can go mess around and and do my hunting and play with the family the rest of the time. Tell, tell me your most ridiculous guiding story. I mean, I have so much respect for fishing guides because they go through so much, but I'm sure you got some good ones. I don't, I don't have a bad guide story. And I, it's crazy how many people ask me that same thing. I never had like a bad client. I never had anybody flip. I mean, I've had the, well, how many 10 pounders do you think we're going to catch today? You know, <laughs> May 1st. You know, when it's nails or stuff, I've had that, you know, you just have to laugh at them and, or laugh with them and, and tell them, you know, and just letting you know, we've only got two 10 pounders all year, you know, that we're in March and February or whatever it is. So I've honestly never had anybody poop in the live well or do anything crazy or anything, honestly. Nothing. They just, Nothing. They like wow. I, I that question a bunch like i think i got it asked at the classic this year in media day and i didn't have anything and i looked back and man no there's no, i don't have anything like I, all my clientele are just perfect angels when you look back at 2023 as a season i mean you made the classic you had a good season but outside of like this moment stands out because it was my best finish or whatever what moments stand like when you like if you close your eyes and say, man, let's look back on last year. What moments stand out to you? Stands out as far as a good it, thing or life what, or fishing, whichever direction you want to go. I mean, it might not be fishing. It might be something that you saw. It might be something incredibly embarrassing towards other people. I don't know anything. You go any direction you want. Uh, for me, the the highlight of my fishing career for, or not career, but the year was probably at the Classic um, on day two. I didn't have anything. I had like one little bitty one or something, and I just stopped on this point. Like, I mean, I knew it was good. I'd fished it in practice and maybe caught a little largemouth off of it or something, but it just felt right. The water was clean in this section I came back through, and I'd been chasing all these smallmouth way down there and hadn't caught anything. And I was like, man, that I'd ran all the way back up in this largemouth area and I pulled up and threw out there with a quarter ounce uh, trap and I hooked this great big, like a five pound smallmouth on my first cast. I didn't even think it was a fish. It was so big and it jumped off. It jumped off. And I was like, oh my God, you know, that would have got me in the cut to fish tomorrow. And, you know, I was distraught and reeled my line in and my marshal was sitting there tripping and threw it back out there and yo-yoed it again and hooked another great big smallmouth and fought it forever. It was hooked in the side, fought it in and landed that fish. And it like gave me new life. And I went and ran and caught another big large mouth and came in and made the final day. I was in the top 10 at that point in time going into the third day in the classic and 
that was probably the shining light this year, just when everything had been trash all day long and nothing had worked out. And I stopped on a large mouth spot and pulled up there and hooked two big small mouth in a row. And it, and it kind of gave me a re rejoice for the day and, and started running stuff that, that I knew was right and ended up jumping way up inside the top 10 in, in the classic going in the final day to give you a shot. You know, that's all you can ask for in the classic, you know, I fished, fished three classics now and I've been in the top 10 all three times, you know, at some point in time, whether it was the, the third day, second day, whatever, you know, I've had, the, I've had the shot going into the final day in the top 10, the top six every single time. And uh, that's what I want to keep doing every year. Cause that's the one I want, you know, I want to win a classic AOI eventually. And uh, so that, that's the next step on, on my pedestal is the classic and AOI. But that moment right there, just in the classic definitely was the fishing. And that seems so small and, and unpinnacle, but it was the highlight for, for sure. Like I said, everything was just nice and mundane this year and went right. Nothing, nothing too high, nothing too low. And uh, enjoyed the year, enjoyed Lane. You know, the life for me, the high, highlight was being home so much with my daughter Lane and getting to enjoy her and spoil her and have her say daddy and mama as least as possible so I can rub it in. <laughs> Does that concern you? Um you know, moving forward, when you see just how hard, I mean, it doesn't get any easier as she grows. Uh, does that concern you that, you know, for the foreseeable future of your life, you're going to have a battle of wanting to chase this dream of yours on the Elite Series, but really wanting to be home with your baby? Yeah, but but it's the being an elite is good on the other side, too, because when you're home, you're home. Yeah. Well, I don't have to, and I, I still have to do all kinds of filming and work and all kinds of stuff all the time, just like you do. I'm sure you've been working since you got up this morning and you just got in from the Redfish Cup or whatever it's called yeah. in Charleston and, or Georgetown. And that's all you do is work. I guess that's why you have 300,000 followers and I don't. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, it's a good thing to be an elite fisherman because when you're home, I get to wake up and wake her up, take Brooklyn to school, wake her up, feed her and be with her all day. And, you know, Taryn still works. Uh, so just, I get to be with her a lot when I'm home, take her to the land, drive around on a golf cart, you know, take her hunting and fishing and, and just enjoy her. So I'm blessed to be able to be with her when I'm home and I'd have to get up at six and go to work and come home at five I'm, I'm with her all day so i i double my time when i'm home it yeah. sucks leaving and, it, and it's going to next year you know like i've been talking to millick and he's traveling with his wife and and their kids next year and you know, a lot of people do that and uh i've been talking to taryn about maybe doing that in the future sometime can't get her to quit her job but never know might happen in the future maybe a few events at least i would i would like that how do you think Millican will do in the elite series? He'll probably get last place every event. If I had to guess. <laughs> That's the best answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben's good. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people knew I fished with him a little bit, you know, me and him have messed around just three or four times fishing and filming all over Texas. We've had some really good stories that we couldn't put on film. That one complete disaster of a trip, but, uh, well, you're, you're welcome to share it with me it's, right here. It's way too long. It involves Ben and a cop and like 10 different lakes in one day and coal and every right. cheap beer you can buy in West Texas. And it was a good road trip with zero fish cut. But uh, 
I think Ben's going to do good. I, what I was saying was a lot of people, when he started fishing the opens, you know, he got, he did good at Eufaula and then one to leave, or before that, they were like, man, this guy's going to bomb. And, you know, all my close friends and people that reach out, you know, you think Ben's actually a good fisherman? He's just a YouTube live scoper. And I was like, you know, I've been around a lot of YouTube guys that couldn't really fish or guides that really couldn't fish that were just really good guides. And Ben can fish. Like, yeah, he can whip it. He's really good at what he does. He does what he's really good at. Uh, he doesn't, he figures out how to make it work. You know, if he ever faults or he's going to fail somewhere, obviously he did in the opens this year. That's just, everybody does. Uh, I don't know where it'll be. You know, I think he works on everything harder than anybody out there. And, you know, I actually just got <laughs> talking to him, but uh, he's got some growing pains too, you know, whether it's shallow water without live scope or, or whatever it is, you know, I think Ben's going to do great. Who knows? He might come out and win a couple events or he might have the the rookie struggles, but he's going to have a great career and do really good in, in the fishing industry, which he already is. And uh, Ben's a good guy. You know, he does the clickbait bullshit for clickbait bullshit. That's what he does. I mean, it ain't like he's enjoying that. I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. I didn't ever ask him that. And He'll probably get mad at me for saying that, but you know, that's just what he does. It's business. He draws, he's a YouTube freaking superpower. He's got 500,000 followers on every, every outdoor Avenue that you can on social media. You can't compete with that. You know, that's bigger than anybody in the game pretty much as a YouTuber from freaking Nebraska. You know, if he does have a downfall, it's being a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan because they suck at everything but volleyball right now. But uh, are they good at volleyball? I think they won something. I sent them a picture the other day. The women's volleyball won something. Maybe it was co-ed or something, but they did win some kind of co-ed volleyball championship the other day. But no, Ben's a Ben's a really good guy behind the scenes. You know, you see a lot of the just like Iconelli. You know, Iconelli is nothing like Iconelli behind the camera, and uh, he's Iconelli's grown his business great, yelling and kicking stuff and yelling at dogs and whatever he's done breaking rods so ben's doing the same thing in, in his stream and he's making a, a very good living doing it and he's going to be very good on the elite series too if um a 10 11 12 year old version of you got to way back then got to look into your life right now what would shock them the most that i was actually fishing professional for a living uh, for sure. I mean, when you're that young, you don't think it's possible. You just want to do it. You know, you don't think you'll ever have the money or have the in or do good enough to do it. You know, I've been a fisherman my whole life since before I could remember fishing. That's all I've ever done, you know, not just bass fishing, but fishing. So when you're addicted to something like that, you want to do it. Like you want to be a professional, but you just don't ever think you can, you know, especially when I was 11, you know, there wasn't YouTube or all these shows you could watch and all these, you know, it was my uncle Ed who's passed away. Now he was recording all the Bassmaster tournaments, the Orlando Wilson fishing show, Hank Parker, Bill dance on a VHS tape and would mail it in the mail to my parents. And I would watch, I still have all the tapes and or my parents do. And I would watch them whenever he sent them to me, you know? So it, it's just a dream until you get there. So, if I was looking there right now, I'd be like, holy shit, you know, you're actually fishing professionally, you know, at that age, you don't want to really want to fish professionally. You just want to fish for the rest of your life. You know, that's all you want That's yeah. all you think about when you're addicted to a sport like that. 
All right, I'm going to throw names out of you, out at you, and I, and I want you to tell me something about them. Um, you, you you can be as can be two words, it can be two sentences, it can be two days, whatever direction you want to go. Uh, we'll start with easy stuff. Caleb Sumrall. I feel like we should be drinking for this part of the. Well, get but there's no rules here. You, giddy up. <laughs> One forty-two in East Texas. Uh, Caleb Sumrall would be low head big ass crackhead like he is a crackhead half the time all over the place if he would just calm down like santi cooper he fished both lakes from jacks to the bottom of moultrie or whatever the other lake is never been on it he can fish three everybody will be i'll see whoever i'll see bill lowen at the boat ramp or jason christie or whoever they'll be like golly i saw kayla running like hell through them stumps over there <laughs> Then, you know, I've moved ramps 50 miles down the lake. And then, hell, I saw Caleb run out of gas out there. He's floating gas cans out there to him. So, Caleb's Caleb's a really good fisherman. He's, his mind just goes 100 miles an hour. Uh, really good friend, really good guy. And he just uh, – he's he's had some good success, won some stuff. And it, I think he'll calm down one year and keep the keep the trolling motor down in the water and and do really good like he like he has already and and proven he's a he's a hard worker good dude he'll he he's a guy you want in your corner when you're walking down an alley at night for sure <laughs> and he has walked down some alleys at some nights <laughs> brock mosley the preacher preacher man i think brock's gonna retire and be a part-time farmer and part-time preacher I talked to Brock about every week. He's a, he's a really good human being. He's a professional farmer now, really good fisherman. Uh, I look up to him as a fisherman on, on what he, what he's done, honestly. And, he, and he's done it his way uh, from before I fished the elites until this year, winning an elite after he got like four seconds, you know, Brock kind of fishes like me, honestly, uh, without the live scope stuff. I think we kind of fit the same mentality, you know, pick up a vibrating jig, square bill jig, top, whatever it is, and, and figure it out without being too high up there. You know, Brock's a grinder. He can, he can go to, he's a really good opens angler too. He's good at making something that looks like crap shine. You know, when, when I say that, if you're running down whatever lake they're fishing in with 200 boats in an open, Brock's going to top 10 off the worst looking bank over there every time. So Brock, Brock's a good friend and a really good angler. John Cox. John Cox. That's all you can say about Cox. <laughs> this Cox, just happy go lucky Cox catches him everywhere he goes. I'm, I don't know Cox good enough to talk shit about Cox. I wish I would like I mess with him as much as I can. I yell at him. Every time I drive by him on the lake or river, I yell Cox juice and he's like, never responded in waiting line or social like he's never. So he might Cox might not like me. I think I might be the only person on earth that Cox doesn't like. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Like I, I try to entertain Cox and he, he brings me no entertainment back. He likes you. I mean, John Cox can't not like anybody. I, I mean, he, I, he likes I everybody. I, I stick a foot out there every time I'm around him and, and he'll smile and laugh and turn around real quick. <laughs> I've never heard anybody think, I don't think John, let's call John Cox right now. You want to do that? Let's see if we can call him right now and see if he likes you. That's all I'm going to ask him. Then I'm going to hang up. Long distance can you hear that? Yeah, this could be really bad if he uh, says. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Good for a podcast, bad for you.
I think he's out in the swamp filming something right now. Use the answers. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> Maybe you're calling the wrong John Cox. There's another John Cox at UNPFA. I only have one John Cox's number. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'll just hang up before John Cox's number is <laughs> spread. Oh, he's calling back and I hung up on him. Damn. Hold on. He called back and I hung up on him. Cox? What are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Oh, just working on tackle, actually. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm in the middle of making a podcast right now. Do you like Lee Livesey? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got your answer. He likes you. He likes you. <laughs> I with that. Yeah. I felt like What's... he shrugged when he said yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm not calling him back. I just hung up on him. <laughs> uh, Matt Robertson. And and Cox just went right back to what he was doing. Like, yeah, he's yeah. just like, oh. <laughs> He'll see me next year and never think twice about it. Uh, Cox is the best guy ever. He is awesome. He will show up with one rod and one bait and be like, he'll lose that bait and be like, well, I guess I got to catch him on something else. They only gave me one frog. I only have one pack of that color. I only brought one pack of worms. Tell uh, me about Matt, Matt Robertson. Golly. I wish I could say the conversation we just had on the phone earlier. Uh, oh, God. I wish you took it too. Matt Robertson, has to be so much better. Matt Robertson is settling down. He is you settling. Think? Oh, yeah. He is. He is coming into his own. Uh, Matt's. A genius. That's that's what I'll call Matt. Matt is really, really smart. Yeah. I I think a lot of people get cut, caught off guard by his, you know what I mean, the the way he is, and and he loves to. But I think he's one of the smartest dudes out there. I mean, you look what he's built in such a short period of time. I mean, it's pretty incredible, and and he's built it by being being himself. Um, oh, it's Matt and you know I'm not going to tell all his secrets because he's got his persona to hold up but you know you think oh Matt's out there pounding beers with Lee and Matt can drink two beers and almost die when he's with me and Caleb uh, <laughs> we had to drag him out after three beers but uh, you know Matt's me and Matt actually talk the business side of fishing a lot we don't ever talk about fishing but he's really smart he's built a great brand that's that's going to be huge or is huge and can be huge so I think he's uh I think this is kind of his breaking year on, on the business side. I think he's probably about to make a lot of money this year and, and in the future, obviously. So good for Matt. Good buddy. He's a good friend. Well, I think you're going to have a great year yourself, dude. And, and I've enjoyed our conversation. We've talked about a lot of different things. We, we bothered John Cox with a phone call. Um, and we did this whole thing without talking about how the fishing industry is an entire dumpster fire. But if I keep saying that, is it okay for me to use that as our title? Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, we said it a bunch of times. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think we're. I think we're covered. I don't know where else we got to go. What's left? I mean, you want to win a bunch of events. What else in this industry do you want to accomplish other than winning trophies before it's done? What is your what hasn't happened for you in this industry that you would love to have happen? 
nothing on that inside or that side of it i think just being a good friend and a good person everybody is is where i want to end up you know I, I enjoy everybody i try to talk to everybody and uh there's always gonna be an oddball out that, that doesn't like you but i think just being a good friend to everybody because we have a fraternity of anglers and and stuff like that just just reaching out you know some of the guys like rick clun that have reached out and befriended me and and stuff that didn't have to over the years uh that i've been fishing kind of relaxes you and lets you know hey it's okay to to be a good guy and and be friends with everybody so just be a good be a good person how incredible is it that rick clun starting his 50th season of competing like i mean i, I think everybody is honored by him is whatever the words you want to choose just like i mean he's like fishing royalty but it just amazes me that he's at like, could you imagine doing this after 50 years? No, no. And he still grinds too. Like he fishes all day, jumps around. It's not like he's out there just wasting time or not practicing. I mean, the, it's insane. I, I don't want to fish for 50 years. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, and it's cool to see. And it's, it was cool to have my very first elite event that I top 10 and he won on the same yeah. 2019 that was probably the coolest thing i've seen since being on the elites was was when rick won that one and that's five years ago and he's still fishing so this will be my sixth year to fish with rick and uh and enjoy him yeah he's only he's only up on you 44 years yeah he's got he's got me tenured for sure he's doing all kinds of he's doing all kinds of youtube stuff that's cool i've started kind of watching some of his just generic talking about ricos and buzz baits and just he's got so much history on the first time you ever saw a buzz bait and went and fished with it and stuff like that so it's it's cool to hear the hear the history of of stuff that rick's been through because he's been through it all yeah uh, he's an amazing man and you're an amazing friend dude i appreciate you for breaking news on the show and i appreciate you for taking a bunch of time oh i got a rando question for you, you got any tattoos zero wow i bet if we did a people what, what, did, were you ever going to get one because never been a thing but i mean we can go get tattoos if we need no to. no i just wondering i mean because i i dude i thought about getting one at one time and it has since turned into the like the worst i'm um, thank god i didn't like i keep telling my kids don't make any decisions on tattoos or anything until you're over 25 because at one time the one tattoo that i wanted to get was like the arm bar, <laughs> bob wire or fish oh, hooks, one or the other. Worse. And I'm like, those are two of the worst tattoos in the history of mankind. I mean, I might as well have got a tramp stamp. Do you know the Louisiana sportsman symbol? The fleur de lis? Well, no, like Louisiana sportsman, the magazine. Okay. That has like the, the duck, oh. the bass, and the fleur de lis. And it's yeah. all one pinnacle of like six different outdoor things. Yeah. Do you know who has that tattooed on their lower back? Well, I want to say Greg Cackney, but it's not, is it? No, no other than Caleb Summerall. He has the Louisiana Sportsman logo tattooed on his back. On his lower back. Well, it's an upper back, but I'm going to say lower back just to make it more awkward. Uh <laughs> He will say he did it before them, but I don't believe him. 
Oh, so he said that like he came up with the logo and oh yeah on his oh, own. Yeah, yeah. Trailblazer. <laughs> no, no tattoos. I had no idea he did. He had that, um, but I had no idea you had no tattoos. I don't either. But uh, you're you're an oddity, dude. Like when you're a senior citizen, you'll be like one of those few people that doesn't have. Like this whole generation is covered, like arm bars, and it's uh, going to be quite the senior home at one time. But measuring tapes. <laughs> there is a guy. There is a guy, allegedly a fisherman that. Do you know, I've had that gentleman on the podcast a few times and we talked about, and I'm not throwing any names out there at all. Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of different people on the podcast, but we talked, you know, the night before and I said, so what are we going to talk about just in our goofy little text that we all have? And, and he said, <laughs> I almost answered in his voice. I don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> He said, nothing. Um, uh, he said, nothing's off the, he said, whatever you want to talk about, nothing's off the limits. And, and, uh, and I, <laughs> I just responded the tattoo and he said, which one? And, and I said, the oh, one, <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that. And I was like, so I spent the night before that podcast to, to throw it out there. I'm sorry. There's a angler that has a tattoo on his perf part of his body. It has a measuring stick. Maybe it's his forearm. Maybe it's not. Uh, and so I, so I literally worried all night, dude. Like I literally, I'm laying, I'm no, I'm recording with him the next day, and I'm like, is it the right thing to do? To like, it's great for this podcast for him to talk about this, but is it the right thing for him to talk about this? So I was worried all night, and then that morning, when right before we <laughs> recorded. He called and said, hey, let's not talk about that. So I've probably already talked about it way too much. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, probably a good move. <laughs> Lee, let me see. You never know what we're going to talk about. Um, but thanks for doing this, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. Shout out to Express. Glad to join the family. And I appreciate you for having me on. And I will see you in a couple months, man. Yeah, should have brought some champagne or something, popped some corks and made this more official, but yeah, that's all we got. Oh, man. There you have it, the one and only Lee Livesey, and I thank him for being our guest this week, and I thank him for surprising me with his breaking news. Um, congratulations to him and everybody involved, but um, as always... I thank you guys for, for tuning in. I get it. Again, this was another long one. But as I always say, you can't put a timer on a good conversation. But you can break it up into little bite-sized bits like you did your kid's Halloween candy. Happy Halloween. Have a great week. Enjoy being. And um, I'll see you next time. Hey, Bob Cobb. Happy Halloween. Can you take it away one more time? Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe, because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to, you hear?